John at Ubaldi Reports. And always with me is my good friend and fellow co-host is Big Bad Joe Bits. How's it going, Big Bad Joe? <laughs> Great, John. How are you? It's going good. I mean, there's a lot going on. I think this podcast is going to be kind of interesting because we're going to be talking. Usually lately, we've been talking a lot of domestic issues. Yeah. This time we're talking about Ukraine and all the ramifications of that. That just seems a foreign policy issue. And that goes back to what I study. But I mean, it's just interesting. We're now shipped into foreign policy. Yeah, and that's kind of your forte. So I really like to see where we can go from here. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, the Biden administration, at least Joe Biden, he came into office, or at least he was elected because he was going to be the adult in the room. And he championed that he was this foreign policy guru because he had many years of experience and he was either chairman or the ranking member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And then he spent obviously eight years as vice president to Barack Obama. But I think that foreign policy credentials got took a big beating Mm -hmm. with his Afghan debacle. That was just a mess. And people were like, if you're the grown up, what is that? I mean, you were supposed to be the expert in this. You knew the allies. You said you could resurrect. And it just seems like you bungled that so bad and then you threw our allies under the bus. So then fast forward to today, you got this Ukraine controversy or this potential Russian invasion of Ukraine. And he's really not, from the experts I've listened to, he's not really done a great job of handling this. Well, didn't he send troops over to Europe? He did. He sent troops to, to Romania and he sent troops to Poland. But when they, when Jen Psaki was asked, okay, so you already said that, and this is what Admiral John Kirby, who's the Pentagon press spokesman, they were kind of were asking, well, do you believe that Russia will go into these other countries? And he goes, no, we don't believe they're going to do that. So the question becomes, why are you sending these troops to Romania and Poland? And then what, how long are they going to be there? What's their mission? And what would mean for them to de-escalate and Jen Psaki, the, the White House press spokesman for the Biden administration, didn't really have a great answer. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure what their the strategy is. I mean, I wish I obviously could be in these closed door meetings or the Senate briefings, but I mean, he really doesn't have an answer to this. And one of the General Jack Keane, who was a, a former vice chief of staff of the army now runs the institute for the study of war and he had mentioned that the biden administration should have been rearming the ukrainians weeks ago and should have put should put sanctions on russia now with the stipulation those sanctions would come off once he starts to de-escalate the his military around the borders from either belarus and ukraine so I want to talk about that for a second. What good does a sanction do? What does like uh, by, by putting in sanctions and <coughs> by putting in sanctions and some stuff in place, what kind of deters Russia from maybe going forward with what they want to do? 
because it would hurt them. I mean, I think they were one of the sanctions they were looking at is at least some experts have been talking about is sanctioning Russia's financial institutions that they can't get capital on the on the open market or on the international arena. They would be barred from any of that stuff. Well, that's going to hurt them from expanding their economy. Mm-hmm. So sanctions would help hurt that. But I think the Biden administration's big mistake with Vladimir Putin and Putin looks at Biden as he did Obama in uh, when he was president, that it was a sign of weakness. Now, Putin is looking at Ukraine in very different ways. He doesn't want NATO to expand further eastward. And one of the requirements is he doesn't want Ukraine into NATO. Well, the United States and the rest rejected that, but Ukraine is years away from joining. There's stip- certain stipulations they have to meet. And I, don't, I would have to research what all the stipulations are to get into that. But Putin is also trying to destabilize um, NATO. Mm-hmm. There's already turmoil within NATO. I mean, in an example with Germany, Germany is the largest country in, the, in Europe economically and other factors. But Germany signed lucrative energy contracts with Russia. Mm-hmm. So they get a vast majority of their energy from Russia. Their military is pretty non-existent. And remember the argument that Trump made. You want us to protect you from Russia, but yet you signed lucrative deals with Russia. I mean, that doesn't make sense. And then you, re- you refuse to spend money on your own defense. Mm-hmm. So Biden was supposed to, re- to be this guy. Oh, I know all these people. He's not done a great job of selling this to our allies. And he should be on the phone every day. I don't know if he's doing that, but reports that I've been seeing, he's not done a great job of getting the allies to focus on one unified effort as it regards to Ukraine. Yeah. Now, what, okay. What's the big, what's the big deal? Why are we so adamant about Russia not invading Ukraine? Why is it any of our business? Well, a lot of it has to do with, we don't want that to be the norm that any country could invade a sovereign country. Because if you, and the other country that's looking at this is China. Now, China has always been saying, we're going to take Taiwan. Taiwan's going to come back into our fold. If we have to take it, we'll take it by force. Mm-hmm. Now, China's not ready to take invade Taiwan. They can bomb Taiwan. They can do military strikes into Taiwan. But to land troops is a whole different matter. So once you set that parameter up that this is okay, other countries are going to do it. Yeah, And because of what Biden has done prior to all this, he's shown weakness to our our adversaries. The whole debacle in Afghanistan is a good point. But one of the biggest things that he did do that rewards Vladimir Putin is energy. Because the first thing he did as president was end the Keystone XL pipeline. Well, then Mm. he allows Russia to do the Nord Stream pipeline, which bypassed Ukraine. And a pipeline goes from Russia down the, the Baltic Sea into Germany. Yeah. So if you look at it, because of all the situations now and oil prices and inflation, uh, when Biden took office, 
oil was oil. Gas was at about a dollar eighty-seven on on average. Dollar okay. Well, the barrel oil was down in the forties. It's now eighty-seven, eighty-nine dollars a barrel. The price of energy keeps going up. That benefits Russia because Russia is a big energy exporter. They're not a member of OPEC, but they caucus with OPEC. And President Biden was, a, was trying to get OPEC to increase energy production to drop down the prices. And they said, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Because why would they? If it, you really want, for them, do you want um, oil to be sold at $40 a barrel or $87 a barrel? Had the situation been... <clears throat> Had the situation might be different if Donald Trump was in office still or well people need people need to remember and factor out the rhetoric of Donald Trump and look at his policies. The one thing Putin was furious is Trump unilaterally left the asymmetrical US Russian missile def- um, accord. He used lethal aid, meaning he killed. 200 Russian mercenaries who attacked a U.S. installation in, in Syria. Then he sold offensive weapons to Ukraine where President Obama sent like blankets and he did it from Poland into Ukraine. Then he acted forced. And then they, Putin also saw that Trump acted very forcibly by taking out, what was it, al-Baghdadi, the ISIS leader, destroyed ISIS. And the biggest one is he killed General Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. They look at that stuff. And people need to realize Putin looks at the world differently. He thought the the greatest um, catastrophe of the 20th century was the disillusion, the Soviet Union, which he's trying to resurrect. And the one thing that he keeps focusing on at the end of the Cold War, when George H.W. Bush was trying to uh, merge the two Germanys together, which he did do, do a lot. And Putin was, or at least Gorbachev was told that if we do this and Eastern European countries can throw off the shackle of communism and be free and independent, that we would not expand eastward. Mm-hmm. Well, those who were at the, the these meetings, including um, Secretary then Secretary of State James Baker, and I read a book that was his biography. There was nothing said about that, but he, in his mind, he says that. Now, when it comes to Ukraine, uh, Vladimir Putin wrote a, an art an article. I think he was published out of, out of the Kremlin, titled something like the unity between the Ukrainians and the Russians. He looks at that as part of Russia, even though the Ukrainians despise the Russians because if you go back to the 1930s, that's when they had that famine that killed millions. Mm-hmm. But his mind, he wants to resurrect the Soviet Union, reestablish the Soviet Union, because what he's doing in, the, in Ukraine He's also helping doing things in the Central Asian republics like Kazakhstan and others. So this has ramifications outside as China looks at that. And that's who our, our most potent geopolitical threat is China. Yeah. How do they see it? And I, 
they see weakness in the Biden administration. Well, I mean, everybody sees that after the Afghanistan withdrawal, right? Well, yeah, because Biden came in as being the adult in the room because after the tumultuous four years of Donald Trump, he goes, we're going to reassure our allies. We're going to reestablish our alliances. But when he pulled out of Afghanistan, he never even let our allies knew, know that we were, I mean, they knew we were pulling out, Yeah. but not the way we did it. We just pulled out unilaterally without letting them know we were doing it. So they left their citizens behind because they didn't have the military capacity to stay there. So they had to leave. They're fuming. And then there has this, that new, the, the French were trying to sell a conventional a submarine to Australia and Biden comes in and undercuts it. We'll sell it to ourselves. Yeah. And, and everybody's like, well, wait a minute. And then remember John Kerry goes through to uh, meet Prime Minister Macron and tells him Bi- President Biden didn't know about that deal. Well, that begs to differ. I mean, what do you mean you didn't know? France has been our loyal ally since the revolution. Yeah. So you want to know is what is the strategy that President Biden is trying to articulate? We don't know that because he doesn't speak to the press that much. He doesn't. And if you challenge him, he just gets upset. So I don't know what he's trying to accomplish, but he has to be careful because whatever he does or doesn't do, China's watching that. That's why, like General Jack Keane said, you should have put the sanctions in long ago. Mm-hmm. And just with the stipulation, you draw down, give them a way, a face way, face saving way out, and just say, we'll let go of these sanctions once you pull out. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing he should have done, and I know it's his parties have a difficult time, is the cl- energy. We should be energy independent. You want to hurt Russia, drop the oil prices down to the 40s. Yeah. That means we should be energy independent, which we were under the Trump administration. Yeah. And then we can sell that and then tell the Europeans, we can sell you all the natural gas and all the energy you need because we were once exporting our excess energy. And that hurts Putin more than anything. Yeah. So do these countries kind of wait, wait and watch our, how our politics kind of go? Like, cause I remember this was kind of par for the course under the Obama administration too, where Putin was trying to take over Ukraine. But then all of a sudden we have a Republican or we have Trump come in and they're kind of backed off. And then all of a sudden, Biden's back in and they're like, okay, let's just give this another shot. Well, Russia did this under both Republicans and Democratic administrations. Russia went into Georgia in 2000, I think it was like in the summer of 2008. And because we were so tied up with the Iraq war. And remember, George Bush said, I looked into Putin's eyes and I could trust him. And then Obama did the same thing when he failed to act into Syria, whether you agree with it or not, when he issued that red line and didn't enforce his own red line, shortly thereafter, after the Scotia Olympics in 2014, 
Russia goes into Crimea. And then he said to the Obama administration, said, oh, this won't stand, but it did. And then when he allowed, he didn't do anything when Russian forces came in. Now Trump comes in and Trump upended a lot of these things. I mean, the foreign policy establishment despised Trump, but he was tougher on Russia. He, they just kept saying, well, he, oh, I can work with Putin. He, they, he said flowery things about our adversaries. But if you read the art of the deal, that whether Trump authored or not, but if you read that book, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He does things, lets his policies speak for themselves, but he doesn't want to embarrass the individual. So when Trump, I mean, think about it. Trump killed 200 Russian mercenaries. Yeah. And Putin didn't do anything because he was boxed in because he said there are no Russian mercenaries in Syria. Well, they were when they attacked Americans. He said, the hell with that. We're going to stomp you in the dirt. And they destroyed them. Mm -hmm. So people need to understand the adversaries watch what America does and doesn't do. And as like I said, as much as people fault Donald Trump, but I think they fault him for the rhetoric, what he says, you need to look at his policies and his policies were far tougher. Like, I mean, he sent offensive weapons, not blankets and these minuscule things that Obama sent. He sent weapons to allow the Ukrainians to fight back because there are Ukrainians fighting against the Russians in the eastern part or against Russian separatists. Mm-hmm. And there was an after-action report at the RAND Corporation that talked about Russian operations in the Crimea. That was successful, but it wasn't as successful. They, they met their operational goals, but they didn't solve a lot of the problems when they went into eastern Ukraine. And the Ukrainians are going to be fighting back I mean, they may not be able to defeat the Russians, but they're going to be doing a counterinsurgency, which we faced in Iraq and Afghanistan. So is so is China kind of taking a look at what's going on with Russia and kind of like kind of waiting in the wings and be like, okay, we'll see how this goes before we make our moves. Well, they're going to watch, wait and see. And then they're going to be doing certain things to, to, to put pressure on or do things that see how the United States reacts. But so far, President Biden has very, been very soft on China. Look at the COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID's killed what, six, seven million people across the globe, killed 800,000 Americans. And Joe Biden has not mentioned China's response to the COVID. And we want to know the origins of the COVID. And he, we still don't know to this day. We now think it, it, remember we originally told it came from a wet market. Now we're finding out through documents that it showed that the plausibility, it came from a leak out of lab. And a lot yeah, of our and, scientists knew this. And that's probably why Biden's not going it deeper into the investigation when it comes to China. Because they know that's what they're going to find. And if they find that and they bring it up to the surface, you're going to have a lot of people pissed off because if we are somewhere involved in that, then, you know, it's not going to look good. The other thing, and I don't have um, proof of this. This is just more accusations is what is the dealings of 
President Biden's son, Hunter. He received lucrative contracts while his father was vice president. There's been investigations on some of it, but they even Jonathan Turley, the constitutional scholar from George Washington University, says he's just astounded there's no special counsel investigation into this. Mm-hmm. Does China have something over President Biden? Because he allowed him to China to get away. Like in September of last year, he spoke in front of the UN. He could have easily said, hey, guys, we need to get together and find out the origins and hold China responsible for um, this type of um, activity. And why is the Winter Olympics still held? They could have moved the Winter Olympics or tell the Olympic, we're moving it out of China to another country. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to the Hunter Biden thing, I think it's just the same thing. They're not going to look further into there because when push comes to shove, there might be a situation where Hunter might be giving up his dad for something that's going on. And then that just, like I said, it just brings more light to a situation that you don't want light on there. Now, the New York Times, strangely, it came from the New York Times, but they requested emails from the State Department regarding all this stuff and the state department said we'll get those to you by 2023 after the midterm elections so there are certain to be certain rumblings now of people saying wait a minute what the hell is going on with hunter biden i don't have the full documented proof about is china utilizing that but it's president biden has not been tough on china just like in March of last year, his entire national security team met with the entire national security team of China. And China spent a full hour or more just lambasting or dressing down the Americans. And we just sat there. Mm -hmm. I mean, would Donald Trump have been allowed to have the Chinese dress us down and show us all our limitations? He would have said, the hell no, we're not doing that. Yeah, and yeah, he would have definitely made it very known that we don't really we we don't take lightly to uh, those kind of things. But see, that was the same thing that happened in two thousand nine when President Obama met with Vladimir Putin. Obama sat there for an hour as President Putin just went at it and said the evils of what the United States has done all our problems and limitations, just sat there. Instead of saying, no way, stop. We're not going there. You're not going to freaking dress us down, you freaking two-bit thug. Yeah. Not going to happen, but that's what happened. See, that's where people need to realize countries go to war with you, not when you're strong, when they believe you're weak. Now, again, people need to look at the rhetoric of Donald Trump to his policies. Our adversaries didn't do anything like China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, because Trump was very unpredictable. They didn't know what he was going to do. But when he did act, he acted decisively. And that's the difference. Mm -hmm. So people need to really look into this and understanding history is ripe regarding that. It's just like at the end of the Second World War, military historians, political scientists, and academics, they both went to Germany and Japan. And they 
whoever was still alive and around. And they asked them, what gave you the idea that you thought you could defeat the West when Britain, United States, and Russia and other Western countries had more of a greater industrial output than you guys. Mm-hmm. And the answer was, we didn't think you guys would fight. Mm-hmm. We thought you were weak. They were What's... proven wrong. That's the what... same thing Ben Laden did. He figured he'd hit the, United, uh, the Twin Towers and we would pull out of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. It had the opposite effect. We got deeper into the Middle East. So adversaries watch what we do and don't do. And I'm not saying we have to go to war and bomb everything, but there's a lot of tools in our tool belt. And the first thing we could have done is make the United States energy independent or keep us energy independent Yeah, by giving up oil leases, by forcing the financial institutions not to loan capital to the energy sector. That's why energy is up to $89 a barrel. And that money just enriches Putin and his, and his cronies. So how long is this Ukraine thing going to keep on going? We don't know. I mean, it, it, it could be over in a couple of weeks. We don't know how it's going to go. The Olympics is going right now on Friday. So I would say... The end of February into March will be a tall tale to see what Putin does. But that's is, why a lot of... Is the Olympics kind of be like a, maybe like a litmus test of what's actually going on in the, the world and stuff like that? Because, you know, America, we didn't bow out, but we're not really sending any of our dignitaries over there to kind of represent us. And... China's China, crowning, especially President Xi. He's put all his, he's been heavily involved in every aspect. Gordon Chang wrote an article in Newsweek, and you can find that on Real Clear Politics in the morning edition. And he talks about President Xi is involved in every minute detail. And the speculation, if this goes well, it's going to be a crowning feather in his cap. But if this doesn't go well, and if there's problems at this thing, that could upend his presidency when he gets renominated or reelected at the Central Committee meeting later this year. Mm-hmm. So, all, and I don't think Russia would do anything now, but after the Olympics, just like they did in 2014, that's when they went into Crimea. But that's why a lot of the, like General Jack Keane and others, saying put the sanctions on now and tell Russia, we will keep the sanctions on until you start to draw down. But give them a face-saving way, face way out. But tell them, these are, we're going to put the most crippling sanctions on you and then give the Ukrainians anti-ship, anti-air, anti-armor weapons and let them go and tell you, you can go in, you're going to take over this thing, but you're going to pay a price when Russian bodies start going back. Mm-hmm. but i think what president biden is doing it seems like he's waiting for the other guy to make the first move in some cases that works but in a lot of cases that doesn't work especially when they perceive you to be weak yeah so we'll have to see how this plays out but it's going to be interesting in the next couple of weeks all right and you know they can get, always get a uh, update here at the Ubaldi reports especially from you and on your tiktok 
when it comes to foreign policy. So if anybody has any questions, how can they go ahead? How can they reach you, John? You can reach us at UbaldiReports at gmail.com. That's UbaldiReports at gmail.com. Or you can go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Ubaldi Reports. If you go to Ubaldi Reports, check on, on Facebook, go to Ubaldi Reports group. And I do these videos on TikTok at Ubaldi Reports, so you can check us out there. Awesome. And we are working on, you know, getting a live stream and TikTok. So just stand by for that. And we will keep everybody in the loop. Until then, we will talk to you later. All right. Keep listening to Ubaldi Reports and thank you for your support.